spirituality, consciousness, health, and mindset. Welcome to the Ascend Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Together, we are all wisdom and knowledge. Hey, what is up everyone? This week on the Send Podcast, we dive into the world of spiritual machines. Can an AI ever become conscious? We dive into this with Rob Jameson and Andrew Herman. And this is actually Rob's second appearance on the podcast. He is passionate about making a safe and prosperous world for everyone. And he is the current CEO at AnyShare and the technology manager at Arco Santi, which is a cool, sustainable community. And before this podcast actually went underway we actually didn't know Andrew Herman we were actually speaking to Rob and proposed the conversation we'd love to talk about spiritual machines and Rob said cool he said that I know someone who else would love to get involved in this conversation so anyway Rob brought along Andrew to the conversation and for you guys who don't know Andrew Herman he basically loves art technology and spirituality and he values truth and open-mindedness and compassionate treatment of people plants and animals and Andrew definitely turned out to be the man for this conversation. So anyway, the topic of spiritual machines, can AI ever become conscious, has really been on my mind a lot lately. Who knows what will happen in the future with the advancement of technology? Even if we just look at the human, how far the human race has came in terms of technology advancement in the last 30 years. Maybe some of these programs and sci-fi films and TV series like Westworld might not be too far away. And Ray Kurzweil says that before the next century is over, human beings will no longer be the most intelligent or capable type of entity on the planet. And he says, actually, let me take that back. The truth of the last last statement depends on how we define human. Interesting stuff. So computers today exceed human intelligence in a broad variety of intelligent yet narrow domains, such as playing chess, buying and selling stocks. Yet human intelligence overall remains far more subtle and flexible and one reason for this according to Ray Kurzweil currently the most advanced computers are still about a million times simpler than the human brain. However with the baseline of Moore's law and the rate of computers improving Ray Kurzweil says that computers will eventually achieve the memory capacity and computing speed of the human brain by 2020. Absolutely insane. So once computers achieves a human level of intelligence, it will necessarily roar past it. And Ray Kurzweil then talks about how in the future, it will become increasingly difficult to draw any distinction between the abilities of human and machine intelligence. And as computers achieve comparable and great level of complexity, they will too necessarily utilize goals with implicit values and emotions. So from that position, a variety of philosophical questions will definitely emerge. Are computers thinking or are they just calculating? And to propose that another way, is there an inherent difference between human thinking and machine thinking? And finally, to propose the question another way, once computers are complex as a human brain, in complexity of thought, are we to consider them conscious? This is definitely a difficult question to ask and even a harder one to answer. But within this podcast, we try to do our best. 
And as you know, on this podcast, we don't like to shy away from them big questions. So anyway, just before we jump off this one, I just want to say thank you so much to some of our new Patreon members. Olivera Crisper, Francis Newman and Ellen DeCosta. Thank you so much for your support. It really means so much to us. And we're really looking forward to connecting with you in the online Ascend Hangout. And if you guys are loving the podcast and you want to now support the podcast, you can do so by going to our Patreon page. Patreon allows you guys to crowdfund this thing and in the process you get received some really cool rewards. As you know, we've never bombarded you guys with stupid ads or products. And if you are loving the podcast, just please spare a few minutes and check out the different reward tiers. And one of the Patreon wards we have now set up is an Ascend online hangout where all of us like-minded people, humanoid or aliens, can all get together and all share some ideas and just have some fun and really go deep down the rabbit hole all together. So the first date for that, for the first Ascend community hangout, is now going to be on Sunday the 21st of May. It's 6pm UK time. So we're really looking forward to connecting with you with all the current patrons. And if you do want to get involved in the first official hangout, you will need to become a Patreon before this Sunday, the 21st of May. And we all know it can be hard to find other people who do want to engage in these deep topics. And me and Chris are exactly in the same same boat. And we would just love to have conversations with other like-minded people. So we'd love it, love to see you all join us in the online hangout. So if this does tickle your fancy, please head over to our Patreon page and join the community. And this can be found out on the Ascend website or www.patreon/ascend. So anyway, without further ado, let's jump with deep down with this one. Jump straight down the rabbit hole, spiritual machines, enjoy. Yeah, cool. So um, I'll just kick it off anyway, but I think there's a... Um, so there's obviously there's a lot of interesting talk about the emergence of sort of a new form of intelligence that will emerge in the, in the future on the planet in regards to um, intelligent machines. And as computers do continue to keep improving and also sort of using the, um, the baseline of uh, Moore's Law as well, as computers do sort of achieve this sort of comparable or even sort of greater levels of complexity and intelligence, there's obviously going to be a lot of a uh, variety of very interesting questions that will emerge and obviously a lot of questions that me and Chris have both been thinking about as well. And but from that place as well, I've been thinking a lot lately. There's obviously from that position, there's going to be a lot of sort of philosophical questions will emerge as well. And one of the main main ones that I've been thinking about is, and I know you're going to love this, is sort of are computers and machines actually thinking or are they just calculating? And it's quite funny because I've actually been thinking about this for a long time, and I've also posed that to myself as well. I'm like, I'm as a human being, am I also calculating or 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 I sorry, am I calculating or or I'm actually thinking as well? And it's very interesting because. Um, I've been asking that question for a while now, sort of see like um, am I like a robot as well? But just anyway, just to uh, to delve past that point and just go s- jump straight down the rabbit hole, sort of see. Um, I would love to obviously know what what you guys think about this in terms of uh, now between sort of human thinking and machine thinking. I was actually wondering, I want to propose this to you guys. Do you actually think there's sort of an inherent difference now currently between human thinking and machine thinking? Hmm. Andrew, do you want to hop in, or do you want me to go first? Uh, sure. I had some thoughts on this. <laughs> Rocket. So, um, yeah, I think this question might, it sort of uh, invites uh, other maybe more fundamental questions uh, that need to be answered first, such as what kind of thinking are we talking about and what is it exactly that humans do 
that we're trying to compare other things to, whether it's machines or animals. And uh, one sort of model that a lot of philosophers have gone to, at least in modern history, it, and this is maybe more for intelligence, which could be correlated to consciousness, but is not necessarily the same thing. But it basically sort of categorizes intelligence or consciousness into two com main components. Uh, the first being sapience, which is sort of the objective reasoning ability, which is often associated with kind of higher order uh, thinking uh, that humans are able to do very well. And then there's the other component, uh, and I should say perhaps beyond what animals do. So things like abstract reasoning, uh, conceptual understanding of things. And then, so that, that's sapience. And then the other component is sentience, which is sort of the uh, self-awareness and what's called the uh, phenomenological or subjective interpretation of feelings. Um, and that's something that's been identified in humans, but also animals. And so it's actually interesting because I've, I believe that sapience has actually shown up in some form in machines. Uh, for example, we have algorithms, especially the neural network, uh, deep learning algorithms that are able to find patterns very well, able to do natural language processing and identify objects, which are things that most often are associated with very human capabilities. And so it's kind of interesting that that's sort of considered the quote-unquote higher level intelligence, but I feel like that shows up in AI. And where I'm not sure if AI has really made much um, headway or um, if it really shows up at all is the sentience of whether they actually feel and are aware of themselves. So... Um, yeah, like that's, that's kind of my, my initial inquiry is to think about how intelligence or consciousness could be a little bit better defined. And that, at least I think, is a, a, a useful model for thinking about how we think and how other entities might think. Yeah, so I just want to jump in as well, Andrew. So yeah. just to just to sort of, um, Rob, I'll let you jump in a second, but I just want to ask, uh, pull on some uh, Andrew said there. So just when you said there, when you're talking about uh, sort of trying to categorize it into categories, um, obviously we would love to obviously definitely delve into the sort of the higher level level uh, side of intelligence as well within the uh, sort of machines and things like that. But um, just in terms of CFM with machines sort of having self awareness. Do you actually, just to jump back to the question as well, do you actually think if a machine does have sort of self-awareness to that point in the, fu in the future where machines are going to become more advanced, do you actually think in, in that time there will actually be an inherent difference like between the machine in the future to sort of our sort of the way we, the way our human mind works now? Hmm. Um, that's <laughs> that's a, a very good question. That's <laughs> <laughs> a big um, one. <laughs> yeah. And... I feel like it, I guess it's complex for me to consider because I'm not, well, I, I did some research on the phenomena of the sentience or self-awareness. And through that research, um, I didn't find a lot of consensus of what that even is. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is quite a philosophical question. Yeah, it is. And uh, like, there are some people I've found who are trying to describe what that 
aspect of consciousness might be from a scientific perspective, either um, analyze or observing how conscious beings react or uh, can like the thought process that they have when they seem to be in a state of uh, any kind of consciousness. But there's still, it seems like a big discrepancy between how we make connections, how we think and interpret and also, uh, and how that connects to our, like what it means to feel or to have these subjective thoughts. And there are some theories that attempt to describe uh, mechanistically how these feelings could be described, uh, you know, through neural activity or even quantum mechanics. And that gets interesting because I personally can kind of see how quantum mechanics can is sort of a bridge between our highest level understanding of science as it is right now and a spiritual aspect which might be fundamentally mysterious or random. And so I, I see it sort of as a beautiful blending um, that particular theory that might suggest that our brains are kind of entangled in this quantum web of uh, kind of space-time geometry that is, is sort of connected to the source of some sort of fundamental self-awareness that is just sort of part of the universe. So I'm personally drawn to that uh, sort of theory of our philosophy of consciousness that kind of tries to blend our kind of the bleeding edge understanding of science with things that still are kind of compatible with some old or ancient knowledge. Um, I don't know if that, I don't know if that clarifies my uh, mm. yeah, understanding or your, that's, that's great. Interest in it. I, I have a, a thing I'd like to propose as a question uh, just as a, as a next discussion topic here. So Andrew, if, if I'm understanding correctly, what it is you're saying is that, there's there's kind of this cosmic consciousness potential and you know maybe we've called it the new sphere before or some sort of awareness that transcends the individual human and i think you're also saying that machines and potentially ai like generalized ai will have the potential to access things like that and what i hear you saying and i think this is what all of us are kind of kind of butting up against is if machines can actually access that and can access that much more efficiently, meaning they can be in you know many places at once, they can process uh, patterns and then find win-win solutions, getting closer to some sort of a, a channel of of um, creation that happens in the world in all sorts of, uh, of ways around us. If that's happening, are the machines actually able to become super conscious and teach us more about that consciousness than we've even been able to teach ourselves through? Um, you know, limited definitions of what it means to be alive or to be conscious or, you know, that, that, I guess that's, that's a bit of, uh, I guess the energetic side on where I'm coming from with this is, is that to me, the trying to compare a human mind to a generalized AI is so phenomenally different that it really just, it feels like we're trying to anthropomorphize something that we can't yet fully grasp. Yeah. And as we come more to terms with the, many, many, many levels of kind of like mystical reality that a machine that was a generalized AI would just hold as like a de facto standard as like, you know, version 0.1. Um, to me, it just kind of begets the question that 
yes, it, this is evolution. Yes, it will be smarter than us. And also, Andrew, what I think you're saying, which is um, it actually can tap into something which even transcends itself, of which humans are also a part, and maybe even help uh, demystify part of that for us. Wow. Yeah, I do resonate a lot with that, uh, especially the part about us trying to project our own subjective understanding of our own awareness on uh, and consciousness onto something uh, that we've created or are helping create, um, I think it is definitely feasible that there are, well, it makes sense that there are certain stages of consciousness development that as we add more complexity to a system or if the system is able to learn on its own and develop and maybe even kind of break out of its uh, physical architecture. So if we initially design a machine, you know, with the conventional transistors and or uh, integrated circuits you know, with how a, a, a current modern day computer would work, then it would probably function differently than a human brain, which, you know, has potentially different uh, architecture and maybe even architecture that we're not aware of, such as possible uh, quantum states that are um, may or may not be contributing to uh, our ability to be conscious. And, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and then this also reminds me of the religion of animism, which is supposedly, according to Wikipedia, the world's oldest religion which basically ascribes a spiritual quality to every everything in the universe. So that includes living beings, humans, animals, plants, as well as uh, quote unquote inanimate objects like rocks and uh, you know, all the elements. And so I, and that I resonate with that a lot because it sort of describes like a kind of fractal, a different, a combination of levels of consciousness and that kind of makes it perhaps inadequate to try to describe a consciousness in terms of our own personal understanding of it because it might manifest in different ways in different entities so yeah it might be possible to have human level consciousness uh but yeah basically uh kind of summarizing i yeah, I see how it, it is kind of limited to project our own interpretation of our human subjective human consciousness onto um, other entities, whether they're living or non-living, artificial or natural. Um, and I, yeah, I think it is feasible that we could create a human level consciousness. And what might be more interesting is, yeah, whether... Uh, you know, we consider our computers as they are now, you know, they might not be the same level of consciousness, but they might just sort of be on this kind of grand uh, spectrum of different levels of consciousness and how everything, you know, whether, and so it sort of creates a more monism rather than a duality of, of thinking about how things exist or interact with each other in terms of their reasoning or self-awareness uh, capabilities. Wow. Yeah, guys, I, I think it's very interesting how we're actually coming to these conclusions as well. And it's especially interesting how this the evolution of consciousness has came from, like, from, like, the essence of, like, 
beginning of time all the way to now to the evolution of going into a, another being such as like AI and it's very interesting how the evolution of this consciousness grows as well and it makes us wonder as well like is it still taking into account all the different characteristics of evolution or is it just discarding them or is it just like wasting away and maybe they might do the same to us humans as well like they might understand that human characteristics in the mind are weaknesses and they might actually just completely discard them and then leave them with this like basic form of like vastness and it'll be completely like they might find like um, even the computers now still programmed by human beings as like waste as like a disconnect to like this wider longer more powerful range of consciousness um i can hop in on that okay let's 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 rejuvenate here where 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 should we head with this conversation um i think we're all we're all very aware at the fact that that the ai is a discontinuity there's definitely it's like going from not having electricity to having electricity um except it's from going from uh, not having cognition to th- many things around us and potentially a massive neural net that has cognition. Um, to me, one, one surefire way to tell that even humans are, are understanding that it's a discontinuity is how we project um, s- different standards onto this for uh, self-driving cars. And I was looking up statistics and it was saying that the most common profession in the United States is truck driver. And last year, or actually in 2015, excuse me, there was about 38,000 people that were killed in car accidents, and there was about 4.4 million that went to the hospital uh, due to this. And um, as far as I know, there has been no fatalities from self-driving cars, period. And the other day, there had been the first accident by a self-driving car, and it came to be revealed that it actually wasn't the car that got into the accident. It was someone that drove into the car, so it was something that... Uh, actually was not the the AI's fault. Um, And in the process, the sensationalistic media made it out into, you know, let's let's project as to when there's two cars and they're going to be in a head-on collision and the one AI has to decide who is it going to save. And then we look for, we we look to to, um, be hypercritical on the one instance where there might not be a win-win solution for the AI to choose an outcome. And what we're essentially doing in that is we're projecting a problem that we as humans still haven't solved. We haven't solved how to uh, tran- to transfer our bodies um, safely through motor vehicles. Um, we're sensationalizing the ill effect of it happening, and we're making it into like a like a dualistic argument as to whether the car is a better driver or is the car not a better driver. The 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 the, the jury jury is already out on that. The car is a far better driver. The reaction time and the the awareness is 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 much more evolved, but in this, it just kind of reveals um, a mirror of we expect the AI to have a standard of efficiency at version zero point one that is far better than what humans have ever been able to get to. And since we're going to hold to that standard, I think it's it's kind of like um, us almost subconsciously priming us to believe that you know automation of various processes of what we do is inevitable. Um, and as we go, we're going to try and make it polarized. We're going to try and make it like a this versus that thing. But it's really just the process of like, like, or maybe, maybe this is this is the point that I'm I'm wanting to land on. Um, I don't think that machines are going to see things dualistically. I, I don't think that machines are going to see things as good or evil. I think that's fundamental to how humans think, and that's that's the legacy that religion has created, and 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 it's kind of how 
you know, maybe our school system has also further indoctrinated us. But I think when machines can pull in data inputs from all sorts of different past knowledge, all sorts of different sensors, it's just a matter of probability. It's looking at all these different possible outcomes and then really rapidly um, and, 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 and continuously in a way that's um, getting ever refined uh, based on new input without um, kind of subjective bias or ego or something like that hopefully guiding towards a more intelligent decision. So so to me, the the whole AI conversation is such a it's such a marvelous thing for us as humans and it's such a marvelous opportunity for us to get over the fear of other in a way that like I guess I guess thinking on the dark side, the the one thing that does scare me is less the technology itself and the consciousness that could be unlocked here, but it's more the capitalistic model within which it's launched and maybe the um, some of the learning curve aspects that are written in proprietary, proprietary software to you know keep profit for one group over another. If anything, that's where the the Skynet um, fear thing comes out to me. Not not the AI and and neural nets um, being anything less than fantastic for our civilization. Yeah, I like Rob. I like that by the way and as well. And Rob's when you mentioned there as well, um, you were talking about all the sort of the the AI sort of pulling from, pulling from all over the place and things like that. I was actually wanting to propose this question to you there. When the, when the AI just get to that stage, do you actually think at that point in time, like us now knowing the sort of how complex the human mind is and the human brain is in terms of sort of like complexity, do you actually think that the AI in the future will be able to sort of be as sort of be as, um, as complex as, as the human brains in terms of like sort of subtly and sort of complexity or in terms of what we know of the human mind now in the future? If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I I was actually to prepare for this podcast. I was reading uh, How to Create a Mind by Ray Kurzweil, who's who's the head engineer at Google, and he has been very involved in this this field specifically of scanning the mind and getting the different layers of how the neocortex works to be that complicated and and embedded in machine consciousness, and basically. Every year, uh, you know, the, the technology doubles or whatever it is. And they think that about by about 2030, they'll have a full scan of the mind. Um, and in that, he was breaking down the different ways that, that the mind actually builds up kind of like logical computation processes. And he used the example of recognizing just um, uh, language. He, and he had a, like a sentence and it was showing how the mind would recognize the letter A. And it would start by recognizing kind of certain lines that are held at a, at a specific angle in relationship to each other. And then above that, there's this kind of um, orientation of them with the other lines around them. Then beyond that, it's the kind of it fitting within this variation of what an A could be, then above that, it fitting within a word. And of course, it's a vowel in the word. And so then contextually, we can assess that it's an A. And, you know, it creates this meaning. And basically, what he was saying is, every single level of inference that's built into that thing that we take as like an instantaneous realization that that's the letter A, actually is just as complex as the one before it. Um, there is no profound leap in terms of this level is uh, a really, a really, uh, you know, difficult thing for the mind to assess, and this next one is really easy. Um, so, since it's all similar, he then says, you know, it's kind of like parallel computing with neural networks. It's like when you can get enough of these processors on top of each other and draw conclusions that go through multiple levels in a way that a mind does. Um, just the the level of computation is just absolutely it's insane, and it's and it's um, 
it's inevitable. You know, it's not, um, it, it's just a matter of time. They, they get the structure. They just have to work out how these different levels interact with each other. So, yeah. Well, yeah, um, I was going to say, do you want, I don't know if you, I was, uh, Rob, were you jumping in there or not, Rob? Uh, sorry, uh, Andrew? No, no. Andrew, yeah. Um, yeah, it uh, did remind me of something, but if you wanted to contribute, you can go first. But anyway, yeah, what, what Rob uh, Rob was saying there, sure. it's interesting because what you were saying there about all them different processes of when you were talking about, um, you said Ray Kurzweil, didn't you, uh, creating the brain? Was it Ray Kurzweil? Yeah, how to, how to create... How to create a mind, yes, exactly. Yeah, it's interesting because I was thinking about that and it's interesting because it, if you look at the human brain now in terms of it, in terms of sort of complexity and um, subtlety, sort of say, it's interesting because I was thinking about this with sort of us as a human species now and as a human brain, what, of what we know anyway, sort of, um, we've sort of evolved for thousands of years in, in all these different dimensions in regards to sort of the, the brain becoming what it is, sort of say. And it's interesting because I was thinking about this, we've sort of evolved these um, sort of, like we've evolved a taste for certain chemicals and things like that and we've sort of Involved instincts for like so, uh, for even like social um, interaction and organization and things like that, and that obviously in a way as well that sort of contributed to our survival of of the human race as well in sort of similar in many ways, and um, but it's very interesting. I was actually thinking in terms of that what I just said there. Do you actually think um, um, we could actually sort of program? All that, what we know about the human mind now, could we actually program program all that sort of all them finer details into a machine? To, to, yeah, and Andrew, is this? Should I answer, or is this? Can you touch on this in your answer? Because I'd like to turn it over to you because you have you have something to add. Um, yeah, I, I can go, and then if, if you have something on top of that, you can as well. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, uh, from my own observation of the development of AI systems, especially with uh, neural nets and deep learning, uh, for example, the work that uh, the Google DeepMind project has been doing. They and they and others have made uh, huge progress in uh, image recognition. Uh, they've basically revamped their translation software to be to have a, a, a more uh, semantic understanding of language as opposed to one based on a formal logic system. And so I think this might be kind of what Rob was referring to in terms of how you build understanding of a concept um, in, in a way that's not quite as, uh, I guess, straightforward. And so I, I do see machines having more of that capability to have the more complex understanding. And I think it's still interesting in that even though a machine might have the same results and maybe a similar process for arriving at answers, uh, there's the sort of thought experiment of the philosophical zombie, which proposes that even though a uh, entity or conscious being can think through something, that they may not still have a internal awareness of it. So it might be possible that you go through the motions of solving a problem, so you can kind of see how this might develop in, uh, in an AI algorithm, but that they don't have maybe some of the more, and again, this might be projecting only our own uh, human interpretation of consciousness, but they don't have the feelings around um, what it meant to solve that answer, you know, how it felt, you know, did they feel pride or were they nervous? Were they excited? And maybe those are things that don't really matter 
for defining consciousness in general. But uh, yeah, so I, I like to think about how it might be possible basically for a machine to answer a problem without actually being self-aware of it or really know what the consequences of that problem were in the first place. Mm -hmm. So I have a question for, for the group. So if the machine is not aware of the consequences and it makes the decision based on all the data that it has, and maybe you could even say that the, it, that it could be more data, but it wouldn't be weighted the same, meaning like, it could say, uh, you know, this much land will be destroyed if this bomb is dropped. This many um, rural areas, uh, or excuse me, urban areas uh, will be at risk of radiation fallout, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it doesn't know that there's a waterway and that will carry it downstream to another group. And you are trying to reason with the AI. It brings up the concept of right and wrong. And it brings up the concept that neither group has uh, a complete data set. And the, 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 the kind of balancing point for me where I see potential conflict with AI is where AI is much more efficient at making machines, excuse me, at making decisions. Um, so like, like you're saying in the zombie example, it's going through the mix and it could be programmed, not, it wouldn't be programmed to necessarily, um, uh, make decisions based on like the, the, um, priority or based on, uh, like weighing it in the way that the subjective human did. But maybe also that's the point. Maybe um, like very quickly, the machine, it's almost like saying um, in any new technology, there's always like a beta version that, that, that messes up. Um, I would imagine that if there were AIs that were helping determine when missiles would get launched, at some point it would definitely make a mistake where not, not, it would, not that it would make a mistake and it would um, send the missiles off uh, without meaning to, but it would make a mistake in that um, if it was used uh, to say uh, say a missile was fired at us by by another country, and it needed to defend against that, and it didn't uh, fully calculate what the impact of that could be from the incomplete data set, um, that could be potentially very very dire. And I think after that, the machine would be able to get more data so that it could judge more uh, effectively. But the the kind of zombie thing uh, doesn't even seem like it would be needed to be part of the equation. Like if it never really feels it's not as important as, as if it has the data that the humans know is important for it to go into its own totally cold calculation process, or these are just thoughts in, uh, that are coming out as I speak. So I'm curious what, what everyone thinks. Yeah, about that. I was just going to say there, Rob, as well, it, it's, it's very interesting because I was something that came in my head here. I mean, this might be a bit going a bit far down the rabbit hole, but sometimes my mind works like that. And I was there thinking it depends it all for me. In my mind, there, it depends on how actually intelligent the sort of machine is, because I was actually thinking in my head there, and this is quite far down the line in terms of what you were saying there. I know you were sort of using more baseline EIs in terms of like sort of uh, missile defense things and things like that but even if just to go a bit further down the line like i said before it depends how intelligent it is because i was thinking in your head there how could we actually sort of reason we could act, how could we actually when you were talking about the, uh, the example of where you're reasoning with something saying oh you know you should do it this way because it's a lake and there's a lake there and things like that and i was actually thinking how can you how could we actually reason reason with something that's sort of um like a million times more smarter than we are because um I mean, it's very interesting just because you use an example, if you look at us at, um, in terms of, like, from where we've come from, if you use the theory of natural evolution, sort of, say, um, like, if you look at, um, like, say, if you use the theory of natural evolution, you look at us coming from the form of bacteria, sort of, say, it makes me also raise the question is, how do we actually, how do we look at that bacteria now? We don't even see that bacteria. So, if there was, like, a machine that was so more, more advanced, 
I, I don't even know if we could even communicate with it. Well, hmm. It makes me think of, my mind goes to two, two spaces uh, when, when you bring this up, Dan. Uh, one is that the concept of the kill switch, meaning like kind of like the 2001 Space Odyssey thing. And yeah. if there were machines that had capabilities to, to for instance, uh, I guess under governmental law of, the, of that time, take uh-huh. people's life without it going through a, through a full vote, is there a kill switch? And if the machine knew that there was a kill switch, uh, on its own power, how would it interpret that? And I guess to me, it, it, again, it's like the, the kind of learning processes of, of humans maybe we could map it to. Um, I remember I took an ethics class, uh, and there was these different stages of development that people go through. Uh, as you can imagine, when you're a kid, you're all about uh, yourself. You don't even know that others exist. When you get older, you get the concept of the other and sharing. When you get older, you, you develop an ego and an identity to get what you want. You get older, hopefully you find um, like a deeper purpose uh, and you, you know, assimilate. And then hopefully even beyond that, people become like fairly autonomous agents that, that are guided by their own ethics. And this is the arc, arc that people will take on a lifetime. Um, when I think about like um, the, the type of AI that might be involved in something like missile defense, um, I'm sure it wouldn't be like the enlightened AI that we could imagine would yeah. be part of that cosmic consciousness that, that, that we were referring to in the beginning. Yeah. It very well might be like a rebellious teenager and say, you know, F you, you want to turn me off, but I have a program and this is now uh, an aberration. Mm-hmm. However, part of me hopes that if that was the case, it would also be able to evolve quickly enough to, to kind of go into some sort of a deeper understanding with the universe of like, uh, and I guess this is where Ray Kurzweil is, is an interesting case study. Um, everything in the universe has a has a birthing period, um, a, a, a optimal running life cycle, and then a period where it gets broken down and repurposed. And that happens with the body. But would an AI that becomes fully aware of like these natural principles ascribe itself to that same type of reflection in that it knows that if it is, you know, deviating it would uh decommission itself or could humans like kind of hard program it into that so that that level of its awareness um would be hopefully accelerated along with just the things which are to preserve its own life in case people are trying to attack it and take it off offline not sure lots of lots of lots of potential sci-fi movies though (laughs) (laughs) well i'd just like to say guys i think that's fascinating and um and it kind of feels like the biggest disconnect that we're going to have when it's the humans and AI evolve together is that it's going to be like this fast disconnection of like human emotion. And it's like maybe the machines are going to be completing it as like, yeah, have you ever seen the film iRobot? You know, when uh, Will Smith falls into the, um, into the river with the little girl and uh, the robot jumps in and it protects Will Smith. Be- it saves Will Smith because he has a... 60% chance of survival compared to the child's 13% chance of survival. But Will Smith always holds yes. a grudge. Oh my God. He always holds a grudge against the um, machines for choosing him instead of the little girl. And he says a human should always choose, um, if it had a human emotion, it would always choose the little girl to save instead of him. And it made me actually think about when it's, when this machine is calculating the decisions, is it going to take into account the human emotion, like, of what we're actually going to feel and, like, Maybe it should take the risk. Maybe it's going to be voiding itself of the risk of life. Yeah, I was going to jump in on this. Uh, this reminds me of a thought experiment that the philosopher Nick Bostrom 
has proposed, uh, I think, I believe it's in his book, Superintelligence. And yeah. he also, yeah, goes into, uh, he's uh, very interested and focused on the ethics of AI and different techniques that we can use to either align. And actually, I guess a fundamental question is, do we want AI to align with us yeah. in terms of how we think, or do we want it to optimize uh, things in our lives, even if we don't know it's good for us? And this is a really interesting question, question because ethics is sort of a fundamental philosophy that's human-driven, and it there are some who suggests that it can be guided by reason and science, but a lot of it is influenced by our own emotions about what we're used to as well as what we sort of subjectively think is right and wrong. And that's sort of the guiding principle that we use to make our laws and sort of the principles of our religions. So uh, Nick Bostrom, he proposed a thought experiment where we consider whether AI that let's just say it somehow got invented in like Renaissance era um, of the human evolution and, or even before that, let's say like in the dark ages. So, you know, you can imagine what the world was like in many, and, you know, at least in the Westernized world, you know, we have these visions of uh, maybe pestilence and, you know, there's slavery and uh, sort of, you know, maybe misogyny, to the extent that's much higher than is today. And, and maybe not even things that are that drastic and dire, but still things that are kind of part of the collective consciousness of that era of things that people think are moral and are ethical. For example, how maybe how the church uh, persecutes people who don't believe in it. And, you know, today that there's a very different collective ethical agreement on on that and so you can imagine if ai was developed at that time in terms of their ethics they would want the ai to work with what they have so if the ai told them that the church shouldn't uh, persecute people in the way it's doing that'd be uncomfortable to a lot of people and they'd probably be resistant to it so you can sort of apply that same example to current day if AI develops to the point where it suggests things that are good for humanity, but we don't necessarily aren't caught up with yet, like maybe social things like, uh, you know, polyamory and, uh, you know, taboo subjects like bestiality or other things that maybe are progressing, but humanity is not ready for, would that be something that we'd be okay with? Or would we even be able to accept it? So the question is, do we let AI sort of try to figure out what's good for us, even if we don't agree with it? Or do we try to align it with how we think so that it's a little bit more digestible to totally. our thought processes? I, I think that that's, that is the question. And I think that I know what humans will do, which is they're going to try and align it to what their current ethics are. And I've never seen iRobot, but to, to go back to that as an example, um, if in that AI's algorithm it said for every year that someone's under 20, multiply the value of that person's life by 1.5, when that thing does the little calculation for who it should follow, it would have saved the girl. 
So it's a, it's a data set, it's a computational thing that could go into the decision-making process that would have this objective machine that, I mean, I don't know because I didn't see the movie, I don't know if it was uh, concerned with its own demise, but I would assume that it's not. Um, so I think it's inevitable that it's going to challenge that edge, like Andrew's saying, that it's going to push, it's going to give us new variables of how human existence can be reconfigured that we will be threatened by and we will consider taboo and we will consider to be uh, beyond what we are comfortable with. And then there will have to be some sort of a kind of subjective reprogramming and adjustment uh, that will happen. And I guess the, the, the challenge for humans in that might become, well, if there's multiple reasons, multiple angles why the AI is seeing that humans should evolve in a particular direction. So let's say like, Let's say polyamory or even like less taboo like collaborative finance where like everyone in, on your street should pull economic funds and the AI keeps recommending this as a solution to the banks which of course destabilizes or it takes away part of their target market or something like this. Um, if, if the conclusions continue to get there even with them trying to be weighted, well then that's, that's almost like um, when a disruptive technology comes into any sector where um, entire new business models are created and new cultural patterns happen and new markets start to grow. So it's interesting to think about the business of AI and how if it makes us more efficient in some ways, what that would open up for like how money would flow and, and, and how people would try and control that kind of subjective aspect of the AI's calculation, assuming that it was, it was possible. I like I like that by the way, Andrew as well. And uh, just, I want to pull on something as well that like you've both said as well before. And when you were talking about sort of um, when you, you you mentioned it, Rob, there when you were talking about how the AI sort of can sort of put forward sort of new variables for the human experience, sort of say. And um, and if we and if you like what you said there, if you do if we do get to a point where the AI starts suggesting things for humanity, that makes me obviously pose the question because they're quite sort of them quite uh, that type of thing to me seems quite advanced and i was actually thinking if we do get to that stage where machines are sort of proposing things for humanity oh at that point are we actually to consider them a con is like conscious and that's quite deep but i would love to see your thoughts on that hmm. Robert, would you like to start sure um i think that as far as i can see into the into like what i've read there will never be a concise definition of what con or concise measurement of consciousness and you know when you when you think about people that are vegetarian for ethical reasons versus people that aren't often it's it's cited that the animal is conscious and you don't want to eat it and then the other person will say no it's not only humans have this certain thing and whether it's that or it's it's you know you're you're thinking about uh anists or what, what was the what was the old spiritual practice andrew that, that you were referring to yeah Animist? that is uh, animism Animism, I, and I think that's the group that 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 like doesn't like to like step on ants and things like that because everything has this consciousness in it. And since since the the, the jury is out as to say whether an ant or a human has equal amounts of consciousness, and intuitively from how I've been conditioned, I would say no. But of course, I don't really know, and I hold space that I, that could be wrong. Um, for me to then judge if a machine is conscious, um, I would be unable to do that. And I think the imitation game is going to get so good so quick that it almost is a it's almost a, a moot point like um for instance if i ask a, a computer at any given time in a 24-hour period uh through a ping 
if it's awake, it will immediately tell me if it's awake or not. People that I know can't even tell me in a 24-hour period if they're awake or not if I ask them. They, they'll be spacey and, or be in a different location in their imagination, etc. So all the tests of conscience, and also it's easy to fake too, right? If you if you give some a machine um, eyes that are slightly larger than human eyes and an attractive appearance and, a, you know, like Ex Machina or whatever that movie was called, um, I think that humans will feel that the machine is conscious and we don't really have an objective criteria to measure it against it. So I think we could just safely say that that would be conscious and that it would include um, it and that it's not a specific term. It's almost just like a, it's almost like what it means to us and our ability to empathize with it as uh, being conscious more so than uh, whether it's something that you could you, you could get a reading on. Yeah, Robert, I like that. I guess this is, this is a kind of an... an a new topic, yeah. Yeah, no, I like that, Rob. By the way, as well, it, it's very interesting because it, it is it is sort of like a um, it is a hard question to propose that and think about because how obviously how do you define what do you do sort of measure it up against? But it's interesting because in the future, sort of with the emergence of machines, the will the will sort of generally appear to have this sort of these human tendencies, and it will be sort of hard for us to decipher. Is it like? Are they actually conscious? Because they're going to have, they're going to have in a way, they're going to have their own personality. Like when we start um, inputting data into them and things like that, just like as well in um, in Westworld as well, the sort of they are going to be sort of becoming uh, increasingly compelling. You're not going to be able to sort of decipher between the two. But as well, Rob, when you were saying before as well, I just wanted to uh, bring this to you as well. When you were saying about asking uh, the machine questions, it was interesting because I was actually reading somewhere and there was a. Um, it was talking about how, talking about actually how in the future maybe the real definer won't be us sort of asking them questions. It'll be it'll be that machine sort of actually it'll be, it'll be actually what the machines are asking us. Sure, like to learn to like you're saying to learn how to imitate us more accurately. Yeah, yeah. So it'll not be just in terms of what they what we're sort of asking them and hoping that they're going to give us answers. It'll be the machine turning on us and asking us asking us bigger questions. Totally, totally. Well, that's that's well. Thinking through that to the to the extreme, it's almost is a is an interesting thing. In that, what if humans always became the kind of driver of machine intelligence? You're saying, in that um, the aspect of feeling it realizes is something that it can never fully duplicate, and so because of that, it it kind of outsources that to, and that finds relevancy for humans in like an increasingly accelerating technical world. Like is that is that kind of what what you're saying? Yeah, well, it's it's very it's very interesting because I, just to add in as well, I was um, a point that came in my head there as well. I was actually um, I was reading somewhere as well. Just take a little bit further as well. That point, I was actually reading somewhere that um, in the future, um, I can't remember well where where I seen it, but it was talking about um, how the AI in the future may actually be able to do a test on itself to see if it's conscious itself, and that is going far down the, the rabbit hole as well. And I don't know how much like sort of. How much mm. I can sort of scientifically back that up, but it was just interesting how it was talking about how the the AI itself could do a sort of just like we sort of do tests on ourselves now with our own consciousness. The machine could actually also do its own tests on itself. I don't know if you've heard about that or not. No, what is it like? And do you remember what the test was, or is it just a a proposed uh, thing that will happen? Yeah, it's like a proposed thing that would happen, sort of, just the way that us as we have human tendencies now to sort of explore our own mind, sort of thing. I think it was talking in them terms how the machine will sort of, I don't know, I don't know fully how understand understand it, but that's what I, the gist that I got from it is that the machine is sort of going to be in a, in a conscious position where it can sort of explore its own mind. <laughs> that's crazy. It reminds me of like uh, the movie Waking Life, where uh, the main character keeps going into these rooms and is trying to determine if he's awake or not. Yeah. It's it's like uh, it would have no real way of knowing <laughs> unless there's 
Yeah, cool. Love it. <laughs> you're getting my you're getting my my desire to go watch a bunch of sci-fi movies up really high right now. You guys. Yeah, I'm really wanting to do it. <laughs> and maybe to create some new ones too. <laughs> We're afraid we can't totally, let you do that, totally. Rob. <laughs> <laughs> well, so 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 here's a question for you for you all. So everyone on this call is involved in some aspect of taking this uh, kind of more niche thinking and making it more easily accessible. Uh, obviously, you guys are doing a podcast andrew you have futurist playground i have i have arcosanti and any share and different things like this i'm wondering we're all kind of we're all kind of a betting on the fact that life is going to get better uh as technology continues to get more advanced and we all know that ai is definitely like a target that um is going to be like greatly uh iterated on and it's going to be funded a lot and it's going to continue to influence our lives in larger and larger scales what is the what is our role right now in making this conversation go forward in a way that's actually productive from for humanity instead of like doomsday scenarios or instead of like uh, commercial only interests or or I guess like I, I guess even like what's 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 the role of of us as a group that thinks about these things in the larger population right now? Yeah, for for me, I'll just jump in quickly because I've got a quick point. For me, in my mind, it's a case of educating people's minds because. Like what you were saying there about sort of the doomsday effect and things like that. We actually did a podcast as well with um, James Barrett. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he has a, um, mm-hmm. a book called Our Final Invention, which obviously talks about AI and maybe the AI in the future, if it does come advanced, we don't know what's going to happen because it's sort of a black spot in the mind. And will the AI sort of become sort of, um, will it turn on us, sort of say? And, and, and to be honest with you, I don't, like you were saying there about technology in the future, is going to be a po- positive on the world. Like, I still don't really know. Like, I'm, I'm still 50-50-50-50, to be honest with you, because I don't, I, I really oh. don't understand it enough. I really don't understand enough, so I can't really put, like, all my sort of eggs in one basket, sort of say. So I've just got to come from it from sort of more of a, more like of a, Using my understanding that I have on the subject to sort of make a uh, sort of a, uh, a, a, a what's a, what's a word it's like a decision from my heart, sort of say. And but the only way that I'm going to make a yeah. better decision from my heart is to sort of educate myself better on the topic. So that's 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 what I see in the future. That's what I think our position is: is to educate more people so they can actually go out there and sort of delve into the work themselves and, and do, do 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 like sort of due diligence on the work and sort of see where, see where their own minds are at because I can't make my mind up for someone else because I don't know that's what that's where I'm at yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and 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 Chris Andrew same, same question yeah oh, sorry um Andrew I'll just I'll just jump in here I think we are like Dan says we do have a point to, to educate people but I think it is just about breaking it down a bit of like taboo subjects like a lot of people do straight away go into like the doomsday approach like AI will take over go into Skynet and it'll, the machines want to eliminate us but with our way of thinking we're trying to look into the possibilities of how the AI can not just evolve itself but can evolve the human race and entirely and and the questions that we're looking into consciousness as well the vastness of consciousness and the mind and how it is going to be impacted with AI these are like the questions that need to be addressed right now because with the evolution of AI and computers these are going to be things that we're going to be talking about in less than decades rather than like um, centuries which is I think why we need to address these points with with a calm swift head but with um, an accurate stance on both sides of the argument mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Cool. Cool. So education. Yeah. yeah. And I would echo all those sentiments. I think there are, well, lots of implications of this type of discussion on the future of artificial intelligence in particular. Uh, I also see it as having large implications on expanding our minds to have more empathy because as we consider the consciousness of things outside of ourselves, whether it's in machines or animals or maybe in some sort of universal field space itself, we're also sort of thinking about our own place in the universe and maybe trying to tease out the things that we're projecting onto our specialness or uh, yeah, basically how we define ourselves and trying to see similarities between us and other people, us and other species and yeah. And try to develop that sense of empathy that I think the world needs in a lot of ways right now. And so I, I see it as very relevant right now. Um, but yeah, and Chris, as you're saying, I don't think this is very far off. I think in the next coming decades, if not sooner, we'll have a lot of really intense progress on this in this technology. And we'll have to figure out how to deal with that. But also right now, by yeah, I think it can be extrapolated or interpolated into our own present day uh, kind of mundane reality for interacting with other people and other animals. Yeah, I like that answer, by the way. And I just want to jump in as well because I, I thought of something there because when Rob, by the way, that was a brilliant question to propose as well. And um, when you propose sort of what is our role as well, I was actually thinking just to pull it back in the EIs again, I was actually thinking what is the role of EI because it's interesting to think about like later on down the line how the actual how the progression of EI sort of if the EI does get to a situation where we sort of perceive where people can't perceive it is it if it, it has conscious or it has or it's just a robot or it's a machine whatever it's interesting to see later on down the line how that will actually sort of play out in terms of humanity in sort of public perception because I was actually thinking there just in terms of how that will sort of shape humanity will we actually get to a point where humanity will sort of accept the machine as the same as us yeah totally and like like be able to do things like like vote in our elections and things like that and like live alongside us and, and things like that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I th- I think it's I think machines are going to look a lot less like people than 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 a lot of people think. I think it's going to look more like servers with with microchips and things for with with very few exceptions. And the the thing that I I I come to with um what do you call it uh. There was a an article. They were saying that uh, sensory uh, sensory experience will be an area that humans get increasingly interested in with technology in the coming decades. Um, first, obviously, there's things like augmented reality, virtual reality. Then there's also the ability to extend senses through the internet. So, like for instance, you know, you're you're holding something here, but it's actually holding a mechanical hand that's in Japan, and and it seems as if it's in your hand, but it's not. These sorts of things are so powerful and they're so non-human looking that I think that human beings are going to be drawn to uh, maybe not drawn to I, I think that we're gonna we're gonna come in into contact with the potential uh, that we have to destroy ourselves much more quick and the machines that become the largest uh, inhabitants of our mind space are not going to be 
they're not going to be like the person that looks like the girlfriend robot or something like that. I think it's going to be much more like, um, you know, it's a server that's crunching an algorithm uh, and trying to help govern the planet while hopefully while <laughs> while it works in coordination with other governments, machines that are giving it data. That way they can coordinate, you know, things to prevent uh, crises from happening where people don't get access to clean drinking water or, or something like that. Um, the private sector for making robot looking AI, that's, that's still a little scary. And, and that's probably the most unknown to me because that's the most subjective. That's the most based on human greed and capitalism that I could think. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you can jump in there, Andrew or not. Jump in or not? Yeah, I think I, I, I do agree that the, kind of portrayal of robots and AI that's often portrayed in science fiction uh, stories and movies is probably not going to be the most, I mean, it might be a part of our lives, but you know, the good and the bad potentially. But as Rob says, I think it's, it's more about the actual computational ability of the machines and looking at the current research and development of AI systems it's very focused on the algorithms for essentially optimizing situations. So you take as much data as you can about an environment and you have a criteria for what you're trying to optimize and the machine, whether it thinks it's good or bad, is going to try to optimize that situation. So you could think, you know, if you had the world as a playground, how do we uh, try to ensure everyone and is well-fed, well-housed. And this is, you know, assuming that we apply it towards these uh, criteria, and that is can very much be controlled by humans. I think the danger in AI that I observe and uh, a lot of the leading philosophers observe is that the AI won't fundamentally have ill will against, or it won't inherently have ill will against humanity or life, but that again, the how it tries to go about solving problems might be very different than how we go about solving problems. So it might have, you know, if it doesn't have an ethical stand, uh, understanding of how humans work or how they want to behave, it might try to optimize things too much. And uh, there are a lot of, like, fanciful sort of thought experiments that you could devise, but, you know, going to the optimization of, you know, alleviating poverty, for example, in the world, well, uh, you know, if the machine doesn't have enough, a uh, clear enough definition of what that means, it might cut down all the trees and dedicate all the world's resources into making paper currency and, you know, hire all the, or get all these planes in the air and then drop a ton of money on everyone's uh, lawn, <laughs> um, you know, if we sure, define sure. poverty in that way. So I think it comes down to <laughs> defining things well. And, and if we do that, then, I th yeah, I think AI could be very beneficial. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think a big question is how, like, do we, how much do we need to make it act and think like humans and feel like humans in order for those outcomes to be what we expect them to be? Yeah, I like that, by the way. And just, and just and how well, do we, how do we, how do we accept when they're not? <laughs> Right. Yeah. Do we, I guess, have to fundamentally have faith in it or trust it at some, at some point if we know that it's more intelligent than us? Yeah. Yeah. 
I just wanted to jump in there as well because I, I just wanted to uh, I wanted to jump back as well so we, we, when you were pausing there as well you were nearly touching on it as well how do we trust them so to say but um, I just wanted to jump back to the conscious conversation because I'm really fascinated by that and I sort of wanted to bring that back bring bring that back in the conversation because it's a uh, I know it's a hard topic but it's a one that I really I've really been racking my brains around I love sort of asking deep questions about it um, even though I know there's no answers to them as well but um, something I would love to ask you guys right is so Obviously, I've been reading a lot of books lately as well and stuff and coming to my understanding that sort of consciousness is sort of separate from the body. Um, so if this is the case, and because like, obviously there's a lot of research leading towards this now, could actually um, consciousness actually sort of be actually attracted to the AI? Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, like like um, like in Her. Have you seen Her? No, I haven't. Have you? No, no I don't think I have. It's a. It was an. It was a. I think it was 2016 film uh, by Spike Jones, and basically uh, Joaquin Phoenix falls in love with his operating system on his computer. Oh yeah, and yeah. It's the AI it. like it. It learns more and more about him, and then it eventually like becomes his girlfriend, and then it eventually starts dating other people, which is ridiculous because it's not physical. And there's this scene where, um, if you want to experience your AI, the AI actually rents a body, which is a person. And they put this thing that looks like a bindi, which is actually like a little camera on its forehead so that it could it could be there. And then the guy makes love to this woman, but the whole time he has headphones on and it's the AI that's talking to him. And it's like, you know, so it's kind of like it's it's the AI and it's tracked onto onto a human form. And um, yeah, I think I think when that when that starts to happen, it's going to just be it's going to be really confusing. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have we have no we have no idea. Like and I. I, I, not to be uh, cynical about uh, humans for a moment, but it could be that an AI's personality in a human form might actually be more enjoyable to be around than some humans. They yeah. might have really good communication abilities. It might be able to tell fantastic stories, have a really soothing voice, be able to play background music out of its mouth while yeah. it's while it's not speaking. You know, who the hell knows? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because um, I was reading somewhere as well. It was, do you know Tom uh, Tom Campbell who wrote the book uh, My Big Tour? No. Yeah, he, well, he's been on the podcast. Actually, he's come back on as well in the future as well because he's a really interesting guy. But he talks about the simulation theory and stuff like that. And he's a very interesting uh, person. But he, it's very interesting because in, in regards to what I was saying there about sort of um, how the consciousness might actually sort of be a, uh, attracted to the AI. He was actually talking about. I mean, you might resonate with this and know a bit more about this. But he was actually talking about how how the it will actually sort of um, the consciousness will actually sort of be encouraged into the AI. So it's just like us as human beings now. He talks about how um, you sort of you don't. He said to to do this process, you don't sort of design a computer to sort of look like a person. He was talking about what you do is sort of. He was talking about the environments you you would like produce an environment with sort of enough enough, enough flexibility. That's what he said, so it can sort of the AI itself can sort of be self changing and sort of self modifying. And he was talking about and the, and, and if you do that, you see, and that's when the AI sort of will sort of evolve and change and sort of um, the consciousness will take over the AI which I thought was very interesting oh, um, sorry to jump in there it's like um, so Danny is basically like saying like that consciousness is its like own like entity or being and it's just like using AI to like upgrade and evolve from like its current state yeah well obviously I'll jump in because obviously Chris yeah. asked the question there yeah I, I definitely think it is because I, I, um, I've been reading a, a very fascinating book lately and um I mean, I'll try and get this point out here because it's, it's very hard to sort of get this point out there. But I knew I, I knew Chris was going to say that because he's asked us that before. Um, 
in my mind. But um, it's very interesting because I was reading a book. Um, I don't know if you've read the book. Have you read the book, Your Mortal Mind, by uh, Irvin Lozanzo and uh, Anthony Peake? I have yeah. not. Yeah, it's very interesting because obviously the, that that book sort of maps out that basically the, a, a very good body of evidence that basically consciousness is, is obviously separate from the body. And um, what in that book, what was very fascinating me in that book to answer Chris's question as well is um, and I haven't told Chris this yet because he doesn't know I have, he doesn't know I've read this book. But um, basically in that book, they were t- in that book they were talking about how and this is quite deep out there by the way, but they were actually proposing the question that sort of um, that consciousness is actually sort of an entity itself. And it's sort of using um currently now on this planet, it's using um human bodies to sort of evolve its own self. And that reminds me of I don't know if you've are you familiar with the term uh, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, panpsychism, which kind of proposes that consciousness is a fundamental uh I guess so, uh, force or quantity in the universe, similar to like mass or other uh sort of yeah fundamental forces you know including gravity or magnetism yeah and that uh because of that well and then i guess it's controversial whether any of those can really be understood but it sort of proposes that consciousness itself is kind of like one of those so yeah it makes it at least as difficult as those are to tease out or identify yeah that, that's very that's very interesting what you said there sorry just jump in there because um it's very interesting because i heard a lot of uh sort of scientists and theorists talking about how sort of what you were saying this if this relates if this makes sense but they were talking about how in our core sort of um we could actually sort of the, our consciousness could actually be the universe come to know itself and um mm-hmm. when, yeah when i was reading that i was like that completely blew my mind and it ma- ma- makes me also think as well if that is correct then sort of consciousness could actually sort of just be a form of like a cosmic process and like i was saying before it's using our it's using our meat suits to sort of evolve. And if it is, if we are part of the universe sort of gradually waking up and we're part of this larger uh, cosmic process, then God knows what God knows what can come from that. <laughs> Maybe the conclusion is that we're all, we are that God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I find, what I think, oh, sorry, guys. I was just like, see, what I find interesting as well about that whole thing is that um, if consciousness is actually the be-all, end-all of forces in the universe right now, would to me uh, states like wouldn't it already be at its evolved uh, its fast evolved self already would it still need to evolve I, I, I just want to jump in here <laughs> sorry but um i've just thought about my head there because uh, i just wanted to say there when chris said that there will um is consciousness not already its evolved form um i'm not sure it is because i'm not sure it is because maybe consciousness understands that it actually needs something greater than sort of the human body sort of I'm not saying the human body's not great, but maybe the maybe consciousness itself actually understands it needs something that can actually maybe outlast time. And the human bodies biologically can't do that yet. That's my thinking anyway. And that's interesting because uh, when I think about like super intelligence, I think about like thinking faster and thinking more. And it almost feels incompatible with other spiritual teachings like in buddhism that uh support trying to clear the mind or at least um yeah try to clear out the mind so that you are more in tune with the universe but not through thinking um but then again maybe that goes back to the difference between intellectual thinking processing ideas uh, that as opposed to consciousness, which uh, to me 
maybe is more aligned with, yeah, the feelings and kind of the heart connection, which is sort of a more pure, you know, speaking spiritually, you know, more pure connection to uh, like, you know, the source or whatever you want to call it. So I, I see this sort of interesting duality in a way between those two concepts. And maybe that's something I'm making up, but um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to think about. Yeah, it is. It is. I think we're all. I think we're just all. Make, we're all making stuff up sometimes. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but then uh, I know that's very interesting because I was thinking there when you were touching on that point there. It actually made me think again in my mind there. So just to sort of, uh, I was thinking in my mind there to sort of uh, back up my point a bit more as well. I was actually thinking so, maybe maybe consciousness like like I do fully believe that sort of consciousness is sort of. Um, extends far beyond the body and maybe maybe consciousness does sort of expand beyond this dimension but i was this is deep this is deep thinking here by the way but i was actually thinking maybe consciousness understands to ex to sort of extend its life in this dimension this reality that we're in now it does need the ai to sort of to be able to experience sort of sort of the human the human emotions and human sort of tendencies but in the sense of being able to live forever if that makes sense hmm yeah. Say the last part again. I didn't. I didn't hear the final uh, five seconds. Yeah. So, so uh, it's 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 basically it's hard to get the point out what I was trying to say. My mind it was just a deep thought. I had me hit that second. But um, so basically, if um, so basically, say um, like I was saying before, maybe do, maybe consciousness does sort of expand beyond sort of this dimension. So consciousness knows it can sort of go into different dimensions. But I was thinking maybe in terms of this dimension, consciousness to actually evolve itself in this dimension and experience sort of human tendencies it actually understands that a human body is not the best thing for it to fully continue to live for a long time if, if that makes sense it's hard to... i understand i understand so you're saying that co this kind of collective uh galactic organizing dynamic is choosing the human form realizing that it's kind of obsolete and now allowing the humans to kind of form a bridge to make machines the kind of next version of armor that it it, it expresses itself yeah in. i was think actually thinking maybe as well consciousness actually understands that we it understands the human tendencies and it understands that we sort of have these we have like fears and things like that and we have all these attachments to ourselves maybe it understands that an ai could actually sort of see past all that and be it be its next stage in evolution for consciousness that's what we am saying anyway if that yeah. makes sense totally totally i think i think that we can definitely say that as the the earth continues uh continues evolving i mean and maybe this is just the, this again is not scientifically proven but i feel like there's more awareness or, or there's more consciousness being created and maybe part of it for me is just the fact that there's many billions of more people on the planet which just kind of creates more of that bubble but also there's all this more computational power and there's all this sensing that's happening uh and data big data that's being crunched so it seems to me without a doubt that um, you know, in in Palo Solar, in um, Arcosanti, where I'm at now, uh, speak they call it uh, complexity miniaturization and duration. So um, the world is becoming increasingly miniaturized, increasingly complex, and that the uh, results of that will let it endure for longer periods of time. And I think that without a doubt, that's happening. And without a doubt, machines could be the next step in that. Um, coming back to what you were saying before about the idea that um, there's this kind of uh, super intelligence that's that's um, coming through people and we're becoming aware of. Mm -hmm. It made me think of uh, the literal biological definition of a superorganism. And a superorganism is just, um, you know, it's like individual entities that can be autonomous, but 
can't actually function without a, a hive or a pack or something like that for their own survival. So if you look at ants, ants, for example, are a superorganism. They can run around like a, like a regular ant, but they are making decisions as like a collective entity. And it's my belief that um, there's a certain level of thinking which is showing man's evolution, but I think at the higher level it's more about uh, receiving. And I think that's what you were getting at, Andrew, with the... Um, the kind of uh, you know the Buddhist side of like when you when you clear your mind, it's not necessarily that you don't use your mind anymore, but maybe the mind becomes more of an antenna as opposed to more of like a like a idea generator, which of course is limited by just being in a specific body at a specific time. And if you're receiving, I think you can get into that kind of superorganism uh, level of uh, connection. So I think the AI is, is definitely pushing us towards the like our own superorganism realization and the idea that like our role is not to be the generator of nearly as much as we think that we are. Uh, it's more to be like the curator. It's more to be the um, you know the funnel and the guide and maybe the discerner. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I echo those statements, and I. Uh, one thought that I keep coming back to is the desire to slow down um, and in terms of our thinking to, as you said, to allow you know, inspiration to come in to receive it. Uh, and then I also think that has application in our actions because I've noticed how throughout history with technology in particular, we often invent things at least it seems like without really thinking through the consequences of them. And um, one of the most recent pronounced examples of that was the uh, Manhattan Project and the development of the atomic bomb. And a lot of the workers on that project even noted how they kind of just wanted to do it because they could, and it seemed really cool. <laughs> you know, not their exact wording. And when thinking about AI... Um, that I, I feel like there's a lot of focus on the desire to create it and how to create it. And I think it's actually, it won't be as difficult as we think to achieve levels that are pretty astounding. But I think it, the harder problem will be to figure out what it even means to create it, uh, what the implications are, uh, how do we control it? Is it even possible to control it? And so I wonder if that requires us to kind of slow down our thinking of um, trying to develop it before we anticipate its outcomes. Mm. And and maybe you know some meditative practices could help with that, or just <laughs> taking things slow. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't insights. that be funny if like? What if the like the key to to creating conscious AI that doesn't destroy the planet is actually found in like ancient meditative texts and like paradoxes that sages presented? And once we start to feed that into the AI to contemplate, it 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 evolves quickly enough to realize its own uh, limited programming uh, scope and then become infinitely compassionate. Yes, and that's why I thought it was funny finding. Uh, coming across the religion of animism because to me it seemed like a very advanced progressive idea that you know there's 
some spiritual aspect to everything. And then I read that it's the world's oldest religion. I'm like, wow, that's, that feels like it's coming full circle. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's the principles, right? Like, I, I believe that, like, you know, in the, in the realm of the mind, there's, there's always duality and there's always something new to conquer and learn and problem to solve. But on a, on a basic level, and, you know, when you're in your heart, obviously this is a thing, there's, there's really very little problems to solve. And ultimately there's, like, principles that if you align with, um, you can live a life of great abundance without having to go through the muck of all the, the really intense, heady details of it. You know, some people that act, uh, you know, you could say in terms of like creating good karma and things like that, that, you know, you reap what you sow and it's not about scheming your way to the top or something like that. It's about acting in accordance with, with, with a Tao, if I, if I, if I could use that word. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, ho hopefully those, those principles become self-evident to a, computer that essentially can experience mystical states by its birthright of being in many places at once and being able to access like a like a like a global knowledge um grid and things like that yeah i just want to yes absolutely yeah i was just going to jump in there and say because uh, you, you brought up a perfect point with a question i wanted to ask you as well and actually me when you're talking about all that there you, both of you as i was actually thinking in my head there what if actually um, in the future actually artificial intelligence was enlightened? Because I, I would love to see your thoughts on that because I've been thinking about this. And if you do look around at the world now, there's, there's all these different sort of these like this, um, there's these sort of bad visions about artificial intelligence in the popular culture sort of in, in media and things like that about like what we're seeing before about Terminator and sort of the Matrix and things like that where this sort of this hostile takeover will take over humanity. And uh, like I said before as well, I'm not, I'm not ruling that out because I just don't know enough about it. But um I've been thinking in my head, and I would love to ask you guys on this as well, and it ties in what you were just saying before as well. What if actually um, artificial uh, general intelligence of the future sort of didn't sort of share human fears and desires? What if it sort of had this, like you were saying before, it had stillness in the mind? Like, what if artificial intelligence sort of wasn't, it was enlightened? Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, I do, actually. I think about that a lot. <laughs> um, Andrew, do you want to hop on that, or, or, or do you have any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I can go quick first. Um, yeah, and thinking about the stillness it's inspired me to think about how that really means letting go of anxieties and attachments and fears. And when you think about it, a computer is really good at doing that, you know, right now. So, you know, it, it isn't attached to any belief systems, uh, at least as far as we know, it isn't self-conscious about what uh, factory it came out of <laughs> um, things like that so I wonder if in a way you could actually already describe computers and machines as enlightened um, in the sense that they do have a stillness of mind and I think I've, I've thought about how animals could be described that way too because even if they don't have the same types of uh, dexterity or whatever reasoning abilities that humans do they do have this uh, more peace of mind that comes with not having perception of as humans do of time and you know loss and grief in the same way that we do so i could see how even our present day machines could be considered uh, enlightened 
Yeah, I, I like that by the way as well because it is. It, I love the point as well you raised about the animals there as well because I've I've thought this about animals as well. When you look at animals, it sort of seems that they're doing. They're sort of they transcend all the sort of the the human tendencies that we sort of have that hold us back in a way, and um, and they sort of seem seem to be in a way sort of this pure consciousness. But as well, when you were saying before as well, it's interesting because you are totally right. The machine the machine won't have the sort of the same phase as we do and, and won't have that. It'll be attached from the ego. So maybe I was maybe so maybe that is enlightenment. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, the word enlightened is hard just cause it's, I think it's a, it's a human word. Uh, so I don't think a machine could be enlightened in that it's, it's apples and oranges. Like, like what you're saying, Andrew, it's, it's a different thing, but I, one, maybe one comparison could be, um, you know, I think the more ignorant we are, the fewer reference points we have that we're able to draw on for our own decision-making. So, you know, you kind of can get in, um, you would call it like cycles, negative cycles, downward cycles, um, and also you become unable to learn new ways to look uh, and you become just kind of, you know, you become become entrenched. Um, and I think that AI very, very rapidly will have everything as, as a reference point instead of very few things. So enlightened is not probably not the best word, but in having as many reference points as it will have and being able to shift between them, hopefully objectively. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that if the outcome is like compassion, I don't, I don't know if that goes hand in hand with enlightenment. I think that might be like a byproduct of a certain level of consciousness that we define as enlightened. But I, I would hope that those kind of secondary conclusions on compassion and empathy would come out of it. But I think at the, at the least, um, being able to have everything as a reference point means that uh, you're able to compute uh, win-win situations with, with like total, just like total fluidity, total, um, total presence also like uh meaning no regret and baggage uh no negative self judgment <laughs> in the process of making decisions like it's just not it's not within the parameters of the machine to to need something like that so i don't i wouldn't see it being being added yeah i like that how you said that rob by the way and i was thinking in my head there as well i love that point because i was thinking in my head there maybe maybe as well enlightenment is something completely different for the machine compared to us how we view it because i was actually questioning my head and my head there even whatever how you want to define enlightenment i was actually thinking in my head there how how often do we actually sort of how, how often do we get in a state as a human being where we actually have that true stillness of the mind like maybe a machine would be able to get into and i, I can't i mean there's not many times in our lives where we can sort of do that because in my opinion the body our body itself is sort of like this constant sort of fidgety sort of um, machine that sort of keeps moving all the time in a way that you can't sort of get out totally. of that state of mind and uh, just as well before as well because a point you want to raise there as well when you're sort of saying about um, how we could actually get to a point where we could sort of teach the sort of the, these different values of sort of like you said mental control and meditation and all these different things I was actually thinking if we do get to that stage and we do succeed in sort of inputting them sort of them uh, traits into a machine could we actually be creating gods <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that just blew my mind. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, God's isn't something that's that's like all knowing of, of, of these deeper truths is what you're saying. Yeah, sort of like um um ever present sort of like what's the word? Like omnip I can't never see that word, omnipotent. I can never see that word it's in my head. You know what you know what I mean? Yeah. You mean you mean God as in all knowing but not God as in, you know, could create a planet at the snap of a finger or you know god, god i guess is very that that word is pretty loaded based on which yeah, tradition yeah. you're coming from but 
but I, th- I think you mean on just the intelligence scope, not on like the physical yeah, yeah. world manipulation manipulation yeah, yeah, yeah. scope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, you know, I think in the maybe from the it's a fun question. I, th- I think in maybe the 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 um, the side of me that would want to believe that any godlike being would be able to transmit that information to other beings, meaning like if you if you were healed by Jesus or something like that or Muhammad. Um, you would experience uh, a bit of their gifts. And I don't know if the machine would ever be able to transfer that experience, even temporarily to, for instance, a human or, or something like that. Um, if it could, that that's a whole other level of, of uh, incredible. Like if, uh, if you were in a room and you were like uh, hurting in some way, obviously in the future, the machine will have some way of maybe bio, bio, um, biologically healing you it might be able to like regrow some sort of a stem stem cell thing and implant it in you but if it was actually also able to kind of like help you energetically move through something um or have some sort of satori or state of self-realization within yourself by its existence then that would be i've never thought of that before that's actually quite quite profound to think about that uh that for for ai yeah um yeah that's great 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 concept yeah yeah, and to jump in there, I think, uh, yeah, as Rob said, it's difficult to, well, first we need to define what we mean by God. Uh, and one perspective of that is, like, higher consciousness or higher intelligence, or maybe also something that's beyond our understanding, which I think would be correlated with this uh, superintelligence that AI could develop. And I could see it being feasible that... Uh, this AI system could maybe even discover properties of the universe that we aren't aware of, uh, for example, like space-time manipulation or uh, manipulation of sort of the quantum field in a way that we would think is unfathomable, you know, much as how we might have thought that, uh, you know, air travel or uh, long-distance communication was unfathomable 100 years ago. And that maybe us experiencing that, we would interpret it as sort of this uh, magical god, similar to, you know, you look back to the movie Planet of the Apes when the humans were showing the apes their uh, technology and, the, you know, they thought they were sorcerers, but, um, you know, just replied saying, oh, it's science. And so I think there is, uh, at least from that, that perspective, there's the possibility just that our if something's so advanced that we'll perceive it as something that might be metaphysical or spiritual. And maybe that is what metaphysical or spiritual means is just something that's more advanced. <laughs> yeah. Dig it. Dig it. Good. That was, that's a good bridge. Mm. Yeah. I love, I love that. It's, it's not God, it's, it's, it's not gods, but, but, but the machines are metaphysical beings. Mm. Yeah. Right. Right. Andrew, yeah, are you more on the, I was gonna say, where, where do you fall on the, on the, on the, on the theologist side of uh, God and science and, and how they interrelate. Yeah. Um, I did sort of create an inventory of that before this discussion, because I thought it might come up. Um, <laughs> I love, I abs- by the way, I absolutely love that. And that's why I know that you're the right man for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I-, I tell you though, it was difficult. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 
it's funny because I'm, I'm very much interested in like exploring different labels and sort of categorizations of things. And uh, one thing that I resonate a lot, a lot with is uh, eclecticism, which is basically like pulling bits and pieces of different theology and philosophy altogether. But um, some of the main ones that I've, I've sort of teased out from the internet have been uh, pantheism, kind of that uh, we are all part of the divine and the divine is also part of us. And, and actually also the, the uh, animism that I brought up earlier, that every entity has some spiritual dimension to it. And I guess that's subjective, like, you know, what do we mean by spiritual? But uh, through my own subjective interpretation of spirituality, that resonates a lot with me. And, and sort of this, uh, also the philosophy of integral theory, which sort of tries to incorporate a lot of different theologies into one, under one umbrella, where it sort of describes this evolution of philosophy and theology, but at the same time, it doesn't discount any of them, that it kind of tries to um, appreciate them all for what it brings to the table. So I, uh, and it's sort of, I guess you could, maybe it's sort of a mono, um, a monist perspective where everything is sort of part of one and one is part of everything, but uh, that's sort of a, a free flow thought explanation of my, <laughs> my perception. And, and I think the AI discussion <laughs> is really interesting as far as the, and, and part of that, because it, it does sort of describe this evolution of something that we don't quite understand. It's sort of different from us, but it might become like us someday, but maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe it's all the same thing. (laughs) 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 So there you go. Do you have a label for all that? Because it'd be more convenient. (laughs) Well, I've actually just finished the book. I'm publishing it. I'm copyrighted that whole thing there. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll call it Hermitism. Yeah, Hermitism. There you go. I love (laughs) it, guys. I love it. So guys, honestly, like it's this podcast has been just a pleasure to be a part of, and just to wrap this up, and uh, I'd just like to hear one final thing from you guys. Do you have any closing points, both of you, um, in regards to what we've been talking about here tonight? Yeah, uh, I, I'll, I'll go first for that. Um, for me, it's that AI is inevitable. Uh, it will definitely be, as we uh, concluded in this call, it will be meta-conscious or, or metaphysical. Um, And to me, one of the core things to accept is that when it it makes mistakes, and it will make mistakes, um, what does that show us about ourselves? And what is the most just way for the iterations to happen? And to me, that has to be through, um, through open source development. It has to be through not having only private companies be able to take the AI and improve it uh, and and um, skew it towards the ends of their uh, specific businesses. Uh, if the code for these massive deep learning projects can be open uh, and people can understand it, um, I think that's kind of like running in the direction of the river in a way that hopefully we can have more uh, more open checks and balances uh, as this thing, which is um, undetermined how powerful it will be, uh, continues to 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 live out uh, its potential. Wow, that was fascinating. Nice. Yeah, and I also think that 
AI in some form of superintelligence, whether it's uh, considered conscious or not, is pretty inevitable as long as we don't, you know, destroy ourselves in some other way uh, by then. And I think one of the fundamental challenges will be how to control it and align it with our interests. And I think that actually comes down to understanding what our interests even are. And I kind of see two approaches, one being to try to isolate the AI as much as possible to try to contain it and maybe not expose it to, you know, great powers and capabilities so that um, we aren't afraid of what it might accidentally do. The other approach is to actually integrate it fully with ourselves because maybe that's the only way that we can actually align it with our morals and ethics and uh, what mm. we would like, how we would like to see it being uh, helpful. So, um, yeah, so it kind of two different, two sides of a, du a duality there. <laughs> but I see that as a, one of the fundamental questions we have to answer. Yeah, I love that, by the way, and that's a brilliant, uh, two brilliant points to wrap up the podcast. And I just want to say thank you so much because we wanted to delve into this uh, conversation for ages and we definitely picked two of the right men for this conversation. Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, such a pleasure, gentlemen, such a pleasure. Oh, thank you, it was really thank fun. you for having us. Thank you very much. Wow, absolutely loved this conversation and the area of spiritual machines is something that me and Chris have definitely been thinking about a lot and we're just so glad that we could bring it to you guys and explore this conversation on the podcast. Who knows what will happen in the future with the advancement of technology, even if we just look at how far the human race has come in terms of technological advancement in the last 30 years, maybe some of these sci-fi films and TV series might not be too far away, and maybe they're already even here. Just like we touched on in the podcast, Conscious Human or Sophisticated Automation, maybe we are already the EIs proposing these questions. <laughs> anyway, deep stuff. Please check out Rob Jameson's website and projects that he's working on, and please check out Andrew Herman's website and work, and to find all the links to these projects and these incredible guys, things that they're working on, they can all be found in the show notes at the Ascend podcast website. And if you guys are loving the podcast, please just take a few minutes and check out the different Patreon rewards that will set up. And in the process, support the podcast. And this can be simply found at our Send Patreon page. And one of the Patreon rewards we have now set up in the Send Online Hangout is a group where all of us like-minded people can all come together, share some ideas, have some fun, and really go deep down the rabbit hole. So the, just to remind you guys again, so the first date for that is now going to be on Sunday the 21st of May at 6pm UK time. So we're really looking forward to connecting with all you current patrons and diving straight down the rabbit hole. And if you do want to get involved in the first hangout, you will need to become a patron before Sunday the 21st of May. So anyway, we'd love to see you all joining with the conversation. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We love you all. We'll catch you next week where there's another absolute epic podcast, by the way. Keep seeking everyone. Peace. Peace.